welcome to Sunday Social in an absolutely beautiful, beautiful Sunday evening here in Tamaki Makaura. I walked to work, low carbon impact, and by crikey, it is just gorgeous out there. I hope it is beautiful wherever you are. Hey, welcome to Sunday Social show number 204. My name is Vaughan Davis with you right through till 8 o'clock. I'd love you to be part of the show. Text me. It seems a bit old-fashioned on a social media show, but you can text me, SMS 3920, keyword live. That'll go bling up on the screens in front of me here in the heart of the News Hub. You can tweet me, a little bit more modern, at Vaughan Davis, and I would love to engage with you via that channel. Later on, later on, Kate Owen, she's back, and she's bouncing around the booth, actually. I just saw her through the glass. I don't know where she's gone now, but she's here to talk about sex, the truth, and that whole Cambridge Analytica thing. Hey, it's going to be interesting. You have heard so much about it this week. We're going to give you the actual down low. First, though. Most New Zealanders, when we think of Christchurch, it's hard to get past the earthquake. Now, seven years ago, but still very much shaping our view of the city. While Christchurch has been rebuilding, though, it's been looking far beyond just replacing what was there. And recently, we've been seeing signs of a smarter, more innovative city emerging from the rubble. Mayor Leanne Dalziel is, of course, one of Christchurch's chief cheerleaders. And she joins me, Leanne, presumably from Christchurch. Good evening, Vaughan. Yes, I am in Christchurch, and yes, it's a glorious, glorious um, evening here as well. So much, so much for the uh, the doom and gloom weather forecasts of batten down the hatches. The uh, the weekend's going to be a shocker. So, I know we were expecting that, but the sun is still shining. <laughs> it's 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 a beautiful thing. So, with all sorts of tech innovation news coming out of Christchurch these days, the flying taxis, electric car hire, and even going back to the the Martin Jetpack. Is Christchurch becoming, uh, quietly becoming, a technology hothouse? Well, actually, I think you could go back further than that. You could go back to the Hamilton Jet, which was designed here, uh, Tate Electronics, and, of course, we've got Trimble here now. We've got startups happening. We write more code in Christchurch than anywhere else in New Zealand. So I think we've actually always been ahead of the game, but people haven't really noticed. They've always thought of Christchurch as New Zealand's garden city but what that means in the 21st century is a little bit different from what it meant when I was growing up. You could go right right back to Rutherford in his basement laboratory. Absolutely I mean he did his first degree here at Canterbury you know so I just think that people have kind of forgotten that there's a whole um, you know sort of kind of innovation ecosystem that's always um, represented what Christchurch stands for. For goodness sake, I mean, this year, it's 125 years since women got the right to vote. Where do you think that campaign started? Where were the petitions started? They were started here in Christchurch. Kate Shepherd, she lives here. She was part of leading the whole women's suffrage movement. Christchurch is a very interesting place, and our history is actually guiding us a lot in terms of the way that we're taking advantage of what the earthquakes have done. 
Uh, it, it's suddenly coming back to me why the Kate Shepherd bookshop was probably called that in uh, <laughs> yes. Canterbury University when I went there. That all makes sense. Well, well done. Well you, done. You, you need to uh, you need to swap over some pedestrian crossings like they have in uh, in Wellington and perhaps uh, perhaps <laughs> own, own that a little bit. That you you dropped something really interesting into the conversation just then. You said that more code is written in Christchurch than in any other place. So computer code. Tell me about that. What's that about? Well. I mean, the thing that people don't realise about Christchurch is that there has been this, you know, because of, you know, Tate Electronics and a number of the other, you know, sort of very smart companies that have existed here. Jade, um, obviously, um, was was started here. We've got, um, you know, a number of others, Dynamic Controls. I, I could list heaps of companies and every time I, I list some of them then one of the owners comes up to me and says you left my company out um, we've got this whole history of all of this uh, work going on in the city it has been supported by a really strong university at Canterbury University and of course you know that that has meant that we've been really ahead of the eight ball but I, I think it's gone under the radar and people haven't really noticed well, it's above the radar now. It's above the radar now because you're on uh, Radio Live Sunday Social. The earthquake, to, to what extent, you know, tragedy aside, and that, that seems a glib thing to say, but tragedy aside, to what extent did that create an even greater opportunity for innovation for the city? Well, look, I, I've been quoting um, this wonderful guy who was President Obama's chief of staff who's now the mayor of Chicago, Ram, um, Rahm Emanuel. And what he said was that you never let a serious crisis go to waste. It's an opportunity to do things that you think you couldn't do before. And I think that what the earthquakes have done is that they've given us a chance to think of what is it that we could do differently as we rebuild. Are we going to build back better? Are we going to build back safer? Are we going to build back smarter? And we've taken all of those elements and we've really embedded them into the rebuild of our city. So, yeah, the earthquake has given us an opportunity. So I, I understand, you know, rebuilding safer. You know, I'm, I'm confident that every, yeah, that's every, given. every, every, given. every building, you know, well, that, and that, that's also just a consequence of timing. You know, every, every 2018 Building will be will be safer than every 1975 building, but what about building back smarter? What does what does that really mean for a city? You know, a road's a road, a power line's a power line, right? Well, no, because all of them have got opportunities to um, one deliver data, so or collect data and then deliver data and then make that available for um, analysing. So. Uh, in a number of buildings, for example, you'll never need to have an engineer go in to check it after an event uh, like an earthquake because the system itself will tell you whether there, there has been any damage done and whether it's safe to reoccupy. That's a much more efficient and effective mechanism for uh, dealing with post-event um, post uh, responses. So as the council itself is building new buildings they're incorporating sensors that will report back say hey i'm okay don't bother inspecting me is, is this is this spreading so, into oh, private enterprise as well absolutely it is so um I'll, I'll just use the example of the art gallery which actually became the emergency operations center after september and after february uh it has been retrofitted with this technology 
So you'll never need to go into the art centre to check it again. It, the, the, um, you know, the, the uh, system itself will check itself and will let us know what damage has been done and whether anything needs to be resolved before it can be reoccupied. So, and that is throughout the Justice and Emergency Services Precinct, which obviously is a is a very high-level building and has to be able to be relied on. Uh, but the private sector are building these into them as well. And I, I mentioned Trimble before. Trimble had to completely rebuild because of a fire, not because of the earthquake. And they have the most, um, you know, sort of uh, state-of-art technology uh, built into their building as well. So, yes, the private sector, the public sector, we're all taking advantage of these new um, innovative systems that actually enable buildings to be completely usable after a, um, an event like a large earthquake. So it, it makes a lot of sense for part of the effort to focus on earthquake-related technologies, but a lot of what's happening is is just, you know, taking the green or the brownfields opportunity and building a smarter city. And and mm. this, this goes down to, to things as mundane as rubbish bins, right? Absolutely. So we've um, been trialling these, these bins uh, so that we can actually sort of kind of send a signal from the bin itself that it's full and uh, ought to be emptied, which means that we don't send people out to empty bins that don't need emptying and we send people out more frequently to those that need emptying more often. Uh, we've also got, we're also trialling the big belly bins, which I know around the world at the moment, uh, which also compress uh, the, the rubbish in the bins themselves, which means that they can put a lot more rubbish in them before they need to be emptying. Th these technologies are actually quite important to sort of kind of the quality of the environment that people live in. So they're good things to, to see if we can get um, them working for Christchurch. Well, the, the other thing you're innovating with is transport. And I want to talk a little bit about the flying cabs, uh, flying taxis after the break. But uh, driverless electric vehicles, um, you know, making making their their slow and careful way around Christchurch. Tell me about that, because that, that's not something I'd actually heard of. I must have had my, my head in the sand. Well, we're trialling them at, at um, the airport. So at the moment, they can't be um, trialled on the roads. So we need to work on a regulatory framework with central government so that we can achieve that. What I'm very keen, and I'm putting my hand up for this with central government, is that we've got a 30k area and right in the heart of our CBD, and I'd love to be able to trial the, um, uh, you know, the autonomous electric vehicles in that space as a shuttle, uh, just taking people around the CBD. Uh, but at the moment, that's at the airport, and that's because those airport uh, roads are, are out of the, the mainstream public, you know, out of the public road. Yeah, it's, it's a private and road, so you can, you can, do, you can so, do what you want. So, so they're conducting the trials there, and they're using them as a shuttle, uh, obviously, for um, not for people, but for, um, you know, bags and things like that. But they will have people using them to get to their um, cars which will be parked at a distance from the from the terminal so so we're going to be working really hard to work to well to help government create the regulatory frameworks for 
future use of autonomous vehicles, which is great. Well, I, I saw a video um, earlier today, and and that looked to me it was the, it was three little trolleys which appeared to have people in them um, going through a city street next to a tram. Was that was that just a, a bit of a, a, a PR video? Oh no no no! That, that was when we launched the new Omeo. Um, HMI, uh, which is the company that we've been partnering with as a city, they've um, developed their own uh, their own one, and I was one of the people that was in one of those, and uh, it was great. But we we had them set up for a for a very um, you know sort of particular route through the CBD, um, and it was just such a great opportunity to give it a go. I love this technology. I just think it's um, looking forward to the future in a very positive way. Of course, what, what it's going to what it's going to bring about is a generation of children who are even less likely to say thank you, driver, as they get off the bus. Hey, speaking to Mayor of Christchurch, Leanne Dalziel, about innovation in the city. Back soon. Sunday social. Welcome back to Sunday Social. I'm Vaughan Davis with you through till eight o'clock. And talking to Mayor of Christchurch, Leanne Dalziel. Welcome back. Thank you. Before the break, we were talking about the things council is doing to build a smarter city, everything from uh, enabling autonomous vehicles to uh, smart rubbish bins that say when they're full. Tell me about the things council is doing to attract private enterprise, private innovation, you know, everything from the uh, the autonomous flying taxis, um, you know, through to, through to the Martin jetpack, the, um, the electric vehicles, things like that. I think what we've um, tried to do is to say to people that we have an environment that's incredibly supportive for trialling technology. And I have to say that part of this is down to the fact that we are in New Zealand because New Zealand is regarded internationally as a really good place to do business um, along these lines to trial new technologies because we've got such a, a kind of an open um an open approach to uh, these these sort of things, uh, and and it's so easy to be able to talk to regulators. I think in a large country like America, it's sometimes not so easy to connect with the regulators. Whereas here in New Zealand, we can assist those uh, contacts in a very direct and easy way. Christchurch kind of amplifies that because we're not too big and we're not too small. You know, I know that. The, the chief executive of the airport company sometimes says that we're the Goldilocks city for that reason. But in, in, in a lot of respects, it's, you know, if you think that we're not too big, not too small, um, we're, we're sort of kind of big enough where we've got scalability. So if you have success, you can scale up. Um, but we're small enough that you can afford to fail. And if you talk to any successful entrepreneur, then you're always talking to somebody who has failed at some point in their life. So your point about the law and access to legislators was interesting because, you know, friends in the uh, US tech sector have, have described to me New Zealand as having a nimble legislature, which mm. which is... Yes. Well, I don't, I don't, which, which, which is which sounds good on the on the surface of it, but when it comes to you know we'll, we'll change our labour laws to, to suit your corporate policy, maybe not so good. G- give me an example of, of what Christchurch has done to enable tech innovation, sort of a practical innovation, a practical example. Well, well for example, when that we were dealing with um, uh, uh, HMI, for example, over the trial of the autonomous vehicles. 
the fact that we are the road controlling authority as the council actually puts us in an advantageous position as against, for example, Auckland, which has uh, uh, you know, an arm's length um, CCTO, a, a council controlled trading organisation that runs Auckland their Transport, yeah. owns their role. Yes, so, so that makes it one step removed and it just creates a little bit of distance. Whereas here in Christchurch, it just seems a bit easier to make that uh, direct connection. So uh, I think, you know, it's kind of different strokes for different folks. You've just got to work through all of these issues. But the truth is, is that New Zealand is a great place to test these new technologies because we have got that nimble framework uh, for legislation and we are very approachable and it is very easy to talk to regulators and I don't think that I could really emphasise that too much. It's so important to an international company, uh, for example, like Zephyr Airworks, which would otherwise be dealing with American regulators. So let's talk about that because that that is the story that uh, caught my eye. And you know, I'm I'm a a pilot of piloted aeroplanes. In fact, I, I learned to to fly properly with the Air Force at Wigram back when that was a thing. Wow. So so any any story about autonomous vehicles makes me makes me nervous for my uh, my livelihood and and, and actually <laughs> and, and actually my life. Um, Tell me how that came about, and and what uh, the you know the the office of the mayor or council's role in that was. Well, Zephyr Airworks um, made their approach originally because they were looking for an environment that would support the trialling of this technology, and uh, we were very keen to get on board, largely because we've we've kind of really focused on you know what are the opportunities that come from the environment that we've been in are we able to facilitate the trialling of these um, sorts of things? Um, and, uh, you know, we were certainly very keen for this particular project to proceed. And we've got a great environment in Canterbury, you know, for, you know, particularly for airspace. Uh, and so that's how it all sort of kind of came together. It was, it was quite simple, really. And, and have you taken a ride or you're about to take a ride? No, 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 I haven't. They no, haven't no, 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 no. They haven't got to that point yet. But somebody said to me, you know, after it was kind of launched, would you, would you do it? And I said, absolutely. I've got absolute confidence in it. The people that sit behind Zephyr Airworks, they all come from NASA. They come from, you know, sort of the Air Force. They've come from... Um, the training backgrounds, that they know what they're doing, I would feel 100% confident. And I have to say that the CORA, which is the name that they've given it, I, I prefer Air Force One myself, um, but, um, you know, CORA, you know, lifts off the ground like a helicopter, flies like a plane, and then lands like a helicopter. It's an extraordinary piece of technology, and I can't wait to be able to go for a ride. I suppose the the you know from my perspective the 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 more real pilots you you meet and get to know the more uh, you more you probably prefer to uh, fly the autonomous way. No, I mean I went to a conference um, a wee while back, and uh, I've I've gone to a lot of conferences conferences after our earthquakes because I kind of wanted to understand that whole recovery um, you know sort of framework uh, that we needed to go through as as a city. 
And uh, one of the things that I learned was that it was really important to have redundancy, you know, so, you know, you have a, a spare road that you don't normally use, but in a disaster where you can't use your normal road, you use this other road, and that's, that's redundancy. Well, if you look at the modern planes these days, uh, the redundancy in terms of a, a plane is the pilot. So <laughs> I think that... Um, we can do this. <laughs> we absolutely can. Hey, one, one of the ways that governments all around the world, local governments, certainly here in Auckland and Wellington, um, encourage innovation is by creating a physical environment for it to happen. And Christchurch is no exception. You've created an innovation precinct. Tell me about that and how it has gone. Well, I think that when the uh, blueprint was originally done, for the city. Uh, my understanding is, is that the Minister for Innovation came to Christchurch and said, well, where's the innovation precinct? And there wasn't one. So they quickly wrote one in. But it has been incredibly successful because it's been populated by the private sector. So it hasn't really been a, a, a government-initiated precinct. It's been, you know, here's some land that's, that makes good sense for innovation to co-locate and that's what's happened. And so we've got a number of um, businesses that have co-located there and that's really come together really, really well. So I think it's been one of the success stories of the, of the post-earthquake environment. The other place that forms a hub for innovation in any city is, is the university. And I, I went to Canterbury University. Mm. I, I haven't been back there since. Me I'll, too. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest. Um, I was speaking to an Auckland academic this morning and he made the point that, um, you know, the amount of research funding that's going into Canterbury University post-earthquake is a fraction of what it used to be. And he put it down to the fact that most of the people who work there are still just getting by. They're just still working from day to day. They're still trying to, you know, run an organisation with, you know, um, challenges attracting students. What's the relationship between council and, and the university and what are you doing together to make that work? Well, we meet regularly with the university because it is such an important part of our city. But... I, I don't know about the research funding because it is absolutely not correct to say that uh, they're kind of doing it tough post the earthquake and still struggling with numbers. That that isn't correct. The university is thriving. Student enrolments have, you know, increased. They're they're well back to um, pre-earthquake levels and beyond. And I could use my niece as a kind of one of those anecdotes. Um, she tells me, and she's second year at the university, she tells me that her and all of her friends are so glad they stayed and didn't go to a university out of Christchurch, which was the issue with Christchurch for, a, for a, quite a while mm. with Canterbury University, was the students leaving Christchurch or not coming from the surrounding areas uh, to Canterbury and they would go to other universities. But she's saying it's a great city, it's a great university, and they're really, really enjoying being in that environment. So I went to the opening of the Rutherford um, building. You know, the, the, they've opened this amazing facility there. So as they're rebuilding on the site, 
out at Ireland. They're really building a fantastic university and the students are just loving it. So plenty of positive stuff happening there. Yeah. As, as, as Mayor, you touch a lot of projects. I, mean, I guess being Mayor is about t- touching a lot of things lightly. Of, of all the things going on in Christchurch in the tech and innovation sector right now, what's, what's the one that excites you the most? Oh, gosh. Pick, it's picking like fa- that. Oh, you're going to upset 90% of the, the people you don't name, I know. You? That, that, that's always the way. Um, look, I, I, lo- I love, the, um, I love the, the flying taxi. I love the um, Yugo. Um, uh, well, no, actually, I love the, the Omeo, the, the autonomous shuttle. But I love the Yugo electric car hire because... What we've done there is that we've actually brought all of the different um, companies in Christchurch, government agencies, and we've got electric car sharing replacing all of our old, uh, you know, fuel cars, and we've now made it available to the public as well. And to me, that's the way of the future. We don't need to own cars individually. We can actually car share in a way that is going to lead the way for the future. So, you know, if I'm going to pick one thing out of all of the, you know, the new exciting stuff that's going on, I'd say that our commitment to reduce emissions as a city, to we've signed up to the global covenant of mayors on on um, uh, climate change and, and energy, we are absolutely committed to reducing those emissions. So, so getting the, the the ordinary cars off the off the books, as it were, and replacing them with the car sharing scheme, I think that's great. It's a great step towards a, an you know important part of our future. And and should the uh, should the streets become choked with uh, autonomous electric vehicles, you could always hitch a ride on Mayor Force One. Leanne Dalzell, <laughs> Mayor of Christchurch, thank you so much for joining me tonight on Sunday Social. Thank you very much. And you can listen back to that interview and indeed uh, any of our 200 and something interviews we've done in the life of the show, radiolive.co.nz, under Shows and Sunday Social. After the break, Kate Owen, Talking Sex. Mmm, that got you interested. Back soon. It's Sunday Social. Welcome back to Sunday Social and a very big Sunday night. Welcome to Kate. Oh, and welcome back, Kate. Hello, thanks for having me. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of your patch because as you discovered on the stairway and, uh, you know, as, as whoever was trying to escort you down didn't know, you've been part of this place for, uh, for a very long time, haven't you? Yeah, no, it's um, it's almost my 10-year anniversary, although I've been kind of uh, not an official employee for the last couple of years. But right up until that time, for you know, context for people listening, you, you pretty much led the social media charge right across MediaWorks. Yeah, across um, TV, radio, uh, there's a lot of digital stuff already happening, um, and then, of course, all the talent. You've got a lot of um, people, reality TV stars and journalists and um, DJs and things like that, so there was a lot going on. Yeah, you're the, you're, you're, you're the woman that uh, they all would give their phones to when they went out on a Friday night just to make sure that they wouldn't tweet something inappropriate. Oh, no comment there, Vaughan. No comment. Can't talk about it. No comment. What you can talk about, though... Oh, we should have had that. Let's talk about sex, baby. Um, oh, that's kind of the cliché song to go to, little isn't bit, it? A little bit, but when, that's okay. When you talk about sex. Yeah. You've been working on something uh, with my friend Lizzie Marvelly and Ali Moore, also a friend of the network, um, called The Real 
sex talk. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to start. I'm going to start by playing a wee clip, which I, I thought was I thought was fantastic. I wanted my first time to be with Harry Potter. I had a thing for scars. He's so brave. Hmm. <laughs> it wasn't. It was not. With Harry Potter. Neither was I mine. My, 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 my first time was not with Harry Potter. I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Um, the real sex talk. Uh, you're involved with it. What is it? So this is um, the brainchild of, of Lizzie Marvley, who is a quite a well-known singer-songwriter and Herald columnist. Oh, um, you know, should, should, have, should have your head if you, to, if you introduce might. her first as a singer-songwriter. Well, the, I think that's probably how a lot of people know her. Anthem singer. Anthem singer, yeah. you know, but none of that encompasses who she is. And her partner in crime, Joe Raj, they were responsible for My Body, My Terms a few years ago. Um, which, which was a social act- activism campaign around consent. Yeah, about, about you know, people having ownership of their own bodies and what they do with them. Um, so they've been plotting this, The Real Sex Talk, for a couple of years now. Uh, and basically what it is, is it is sexual education for teenagers done on social media. So it's not intended to replace... Uh, the education that they get at schools or parents talking to them and having open and frank conversations about sex and sexuality but it is about talking to them on their terms through celebrities and doctors and and things like that in very short snippets so it's 12 episodes living predominantly on Facebook but also YouTube and villainese.com gotta get those plugs in and uh, and we're seeing a huge uptake actually it's been awesome so of course being digital you can see who's watching and for how long and how often and who's sharing with their friends what we're seeing is young women are, are inclined to watch and then comment and then share with their friends and poke their friends, um, whereas young men are watching and not saying a word. So it's very interesting watching but that yeah, that's because that's because you know one of one of the things I'm sure it will address in the course of the series is that you know New Zealand men we're, we're pretty much born knowing everything there is to know about sex. That's that's just. In fact, what I think Guy expected. Williams used those exact words in, in an episode. I think well, he did. Being go, a good that... Kiwi man, he hasn't said anything to anyone about anything, and he's brilliant. Yep. So, um, you know, it is about having some frank discussions about are you ready? Um, is this something you want to do? If that is what you want to do, what what it what do you do you know how are you doing this in a safe way how are you respecting yourself and your partner all those kind of questions and it's moved on so much from when you know we were at school um and, and having those awkward. are two different decades when yeah i wasn't gonna I point that school, out Kate. but i'm glad that you have just to acknowledge how young and vibrant i am mm-hmm. um but you know gone are the days where you get you get a banana and a condom, and you're left to it. Oh, well, you know, my, so much. honestly, there was none of that shenanigans at Hutt Valley High School. Let me tell you, we were in the pre-banana days. Oh, golly. No bananas for us. Banana, banana was just a flavour of milk biscuit in the tuck shop when I was uh, going to school. Everything sounds dirty when you've been working on this series. <laughs> so well, I'm just going to leave that I, I, there. I hadn't, I hadn't even made that connection. But, but, look, I, but it, I've, I had a look, and it's, it's light, it's fast-paced, there's... I think I saw one person over thirty in the you know in the ten mm. minutes I was watching it. So that that's a pre- that's always a pretty good sign. Yeah, it's digestible and and the episodes um, two a week. You said mm-hmm. are, the one I saw was only about nine minutes long. Yes, which is that is good. that is how long they are. Um, and so yeah, twice a week, Wednesdays and Sundays for for six weeks. So there's twelve episodes, and uh, you know it's covering a lot of things from uh, sexual identity through to. Um, you know, revenge porn, which is a huge issue for, for teenagers. You know, they are sexting, and we can pretend they're not and pretend that none of that's going on, but it is, and it's causing very real situations for them. So, you know, everything's covered from consent right the way through to um, STIs, as tonight's episode. And do you know what? If, if nothing else, uh, in the first 
15 seconds of the episode, you, you'll, you'll learn uh, the, the, the hidden and, and quite commonplace meanings for eggplant, taco, peach. I'm trying to think what the other one was. All those emojis. Yeah. All those emojis that uh, if, if you see your, if you think, wow, that's good to see my, my teenage daughter is eating healthy with all the, uh, the food she's tweeting. She might not be eating healthy. And how can people uh, get their hands on this? So probably the easiest way is to just jump on Facebook um, and visit the Villanessa's Facebook page. Or you can go to therealsextalk.com. Easy peasy. Mm. Hey, there is no segue. There is no segue from the Real Sex Talk to the big story of the week in social media, Facebook, and its regrettable dalliance with a company called Cambridge Analytica. Yes. So, um, give us the 101. The 101 is uh, Facebook collects a lot of data on you, not just you telling it things uh, and liking Facebook pages, but also when you visit websites around the internet. Um, yeah, Facebook so let, can tell. Needle scratch. Yeah. That's, that's an important thing Very that important. not a lot of people realise. We realise and accept that Facebook records what we do on Facebook, and I think most of us do, mm-hmm. but you're telling me, mm-hmm. us, that... Mm-hmm. Facebook also knows the next website you go to or the last website you came from. Yeah. So it uses, anywhere you see a like button, a Facebook like button, so you're visiting, you know, your favourite websites and there's a big old like button right there that sometimes you click. Whether or not you click it, if you're logged into your account, Facebook can see that you have visited that website. Um, so it's not just that. There's a whole lot of tools in the back end of websites that, that can track you as you move across the internet. So what Facebook is doing is going nuts collecting data on you. And then you might say, want to fill out a survey. And it I says, those surveys. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. Yeah. Which, which Star Wars character are you? Yeah, something pretty innocuous. You log in using your Facebook account because you want to share your results to your friends. That is giving that app the ability to go in and scrape not only all your data but probably a lot of your friends' data. So that's how this got the ball rolling. They had one of these apps that looked pretty basic. It was a personality quiz, I think. I haven't been able to see the original Yeah, I think app. it's all been taken down mm. now. Uh, but essentially they got um, a whole lot of people using the app and they were able to scrape their data and then scrape their friends' data. So very quickly they had a lot of data on people. Um, and so as you uh, well know, um, when you're marketing you often will segment the audience and do one message to um, household shoppers and another message to teenagers. Um, and, but the, and this is that, but it's that taken further. It's, it's in some respects psychological warfare because they're trying to push your buttons on a deep level to achieve things um, that, you know, are, are really moving the needle on your opinion on things. And they're doing it using the data that you've given to an app that you think is completely unrelated. Well, I, I read a great example on, uh, I think it was the Guardian commentary of this. They said, for example, if we knew in one city that, um, you know, teetering Clinton voters hated trains and loved kittens, they could run an ad saying, you know, is this train going to run over the kitten and is Hillary Clinton responsible? Mm. And, and it's that targeted. It's not, it's not just targeted on who you are, it's targeted by what you're into. But the, the point you made, it's always been going on, is, is true. You know, I, I read old magazines, so and I've got a bunch sitting around. Magazines from your childhood. Magazines from my childhood. Well, magazines from, you know, my parents' childhood from the 50s because I love the ads. I just love the ads. And you might see an ad for a Ford Fairlane in Popular Mechanics that says how big the engine is. And then in Home and Garden, same car, 
the ad is about what colours it comes in. Mm. So targeting's always gone on. What's what's wrong with just you know really really accurate targeting? Mm. Well, I think uh, the difference with this is it's it's playing on um, deep psychometric kind of data and it's manipulating you on a on a level that was previously not uh, in a personalized level that was previously not available it's, it's pushing our buttons and we just don't like it um you can t- you can turn that speaking of pushing buttons you can turn that stuff off and mm. still participate in facebook right so you t- tell me if i'm getting this wrong and i go through a little how to so on facebook on the desktop version you can probably do it mm, don't know if you can do it on mobile no, you should some, do it on desktop, some things you can't yeah. do on mobile uh there's a little top right arrow top right arrow of your Facebook, it's this little triangle, click that, click settings, click apps, and it'll show you all the apps that you've you've gleefully, ignorantly given permission to, 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 to know everything about you, your birthday, your email address, your friends' birthdays, your favourite colour, all that sort of stuff. It'll list them all, and then you can make an informed decision. Do I want these apps to remain in my life? Do I want to get rid of them? Or do I want to modify the permissions of, of what they have and what they don't have? I had 193. Mm. Is that high, do you yeah. think? Yeah. Oh, I, uh, you know, look, you've probably been liker. on Facebook I'm for 10 liker. years. Yeah, I have. So I have. Um, they've been accumulating over time. And as long as they've got access to your account, they can go in and scrape your data. Forever. So what you want to do, um, if you didn't catch that, it's facebook.com forward slash settings. Um, and then you click on the app section and you'll see them all listed there. And there'll be probably some strange things you don't recognise. Some of them will be fairly innocuous. Um, Sometimes they change their name over time. The thing you agree to is not the thing that's yeah. there anymore. So it's good to keep an eye on it fairly regularly as well because you never quite know what you're giving access to. So um, go through and clean them all out at least once a year. Probably more than that if you're a bit of a... Um, you know, security nut like me. Maybe we should maybe we should get in touch with Nets Netsafe and have a like an app spring cleaning day every year. Make it a thing. Like it could you know, be a thing. Cha- change your smoke alarm batteries. Change your app permissions. It sounds. Do you, do you think um, people are saying is this the beginning of the end for Facebook? Do you buy into that, Kate? Not yet. I think um, the reaction that we've seen out of Mark Zuckerberg um, has been interesting. He is trying to pretend to be human and he's he's not doing a great job of it um you know he he's been criticized in the past for not really understanding people um and not being able to communicate particularly well and i think in this instance you know he's tried um but again we're not seeing um, enough action out of them soon enough mark if you're listening 3920 keyword live tell us we're wrong after the break an app to dob in those dastardly dastardly people who park in disabled car parking spaces. Back soon. It's Sunday Social, an hour dedicated to social media with Vaughan Davis. Sometimes I park in handicapped spaces while handicapped people make handicapped faces. I'm an Back to Sunday Social, just seven minutes to the weekend variety wireless. I'm Vaughan Davis with my special regular guest, Kate Owen. Welcome back, Kate. Thanks. Sometimes, to quote the song, I park in handicapped spaces while handicapped people make handicapped faces. Not anymore. There's an app for that. There is. This is good. This is good. So this is an app uh, out of Whanganui, of all places. This is my second tech hotbed that I never knew about. Mm. Um, called Access Aware, and it's got two purposes. One's boring and worthy, and the other one's really interesting. The boring and worthy one is if you do need uh, an accessible car park, it'll find one for you. I suppose that's not boring 
if you need one. It's not one. boring if you need it's it. It's not boring yeah. if you need it. But the thing, yeah. the thing that's that's got my ears pricked up is it comes, this Access Aware app, with a, a feature that lets you dob in a miscreant. Mm. So so I'm, I'm, I'm going to go upstairs, Kate, and see where you've parked. And if you have parked in our accessible car park, I can take a photo of your car, upload it to the app, and the local parking warden will be around to, um, I don't know, cut your head off. Well, I'd just like to clarify that I don't do that because I'm not an asshole. And, oh, uh, well, I am an asshole, but I don't do that. Yeah, okay. So th there's all sorts of permutations, isn't there? Right. No, I think this is important because, um, you know, how often does this happen? It happens all the time. And you've got to think if you're differently abled and you need help getting in and out of a vehicle or you need that extra space, you know, this is stopping you from, from doing things. From living your you life. Know, from, and there are yeah. only so many of those spaces. And if you're, you know, you're, you're circling St. Luke's and go, oh, look, there's that one yellow car park and it's, and it's empty. Well, it's, yeah. it's the only one that's there. Yeah. And if you need it, you need it. Um, kind of plays to our, our Kiwi... Um, Sense of justice and fairness, eh? Well, there's Ooh. that, but also not wanting to make a fuss because it's anonymous. Well, yeah, there is that. Nobody likes to be that person, right? And, and it's, it's, we are much more passive-aggressive than I think we like to admit. But this is a, a way, I think, of, of, you know, standing up for people who probably can't, um, you know, have... Is, uh, it's just, it's tricky, right? You want to help. And this is a way that you can help without it causing a drama or a fuss. Being a confrontation. Yeah. It's, it's funny, though. It's funny, though. When, sometimes when you have these channels and these apps, they allow us to maybe buy out of our responsibilities. And, and the, the, the example that occurs to me is, is mainly for spectator value. Um, I'm a member of a, a Facebook group of dog owners because I'm a dog owner. And the number of times in summer where you'll see people posting on Facebook that this dog is, you know, inside a car and it's hot... Mm. What's posting on Facebook really going to do compared to, you know, finding the owner or getting more security to come mm. or, for goodness sake, you know, if it's really extreme, actually breaking the window and saving the dog? And it almost gets to the point where we feel like if we've done this, this um, slacktivism, Mm -hmm. It's, it's micro-slectivism, isn't it? We've done this small thing on social media. We think we've done something. Well, I think this is possibly where you and I are different people because sometimes people need to put something up so they get a little bit of encouragement of, yeah, yeah, it's cool to go and break into that car and, and, and rescue that dog. Do. Um, sometimes people just need a little push in the right direction to know that they're doing the right thing or that, they're, you know, that, that it's a good thing to do. Social licence. Yeah, I think yeah. it's cool. It's also quite scary. I used to have a job where I would sometimes have to confront people who had parked at the front of the building uh, in a park they shouldn't be in, and, and it could get quite scary at times. So I understand people needing to feel like they've got a bit of backup or wanting an anonymous way of just doing it under the radar. And the name, and, and funny, this is also a way of suddenly you like the parking warden because they're going to do God's hmm. work. Uh, the name of the app is Access Aware. It's free. It's for iPhone and Android. Another thing that's free, not surprisingly, because, well, it's a marketing thing, really, is the New World Easter Egg Hunt. Do you shop at New World, Kate? Uh, no, there's none nearby. Ah. They're, they're quite hard to get to, I think. It's, it's a real estate game. Hmm groceries is a real estate game so um, new world has brought out a virtual uh, well no I'll, I'll, I'll use the correct terminology uh, an augmented reality easter egg hunt mm. which is kind of cool so if you happen to be in a new world and you see hundreds of children running around clutching their parents phones saying i've got an egg 
<sighs> blame the app. So it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. I had to play with it. It's it's the second year it's been in market. And I do love it as an advertising person. I do love it when people bring stuff back because you don't need to reinvent the egg every year. Uh, look, I think um, they've got a history of doing really nice things, marketing. The Little you know, Garden. Little Garden is the one that comes to mind. And, you know, so I think, you know, good on them for playing in that space. So, the, uh, well, I don't even know what the name of it is. It's, it's the new old Easter egg hunt, let's say. You can Google it, you'll find it. So download the app. Go to the supermarket and through your phone you will see the real world augmented with these hard to find, well probably not hard to find because it's for children, uh, Easter eggs run around the place carefully um, and don't bump into the adults. And every egg you collect you know, adds to your tally. Uh, every time you collect 50, you go in the drawer for a family trip to Disneyland. Oh. You ready for my dad joke? Hit me. That's Excellent. That is. That wasn't a dad joke. Wasn't it? That was a dad yoke. Oh, 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 I can't. I've got. No, I've got nothing. That got is. Nothing. The, no, you've got absolutely nothing. But um, <sighs> but it's cool. And and if nothing else, if if the only augmented reality you've tried uh, is is that uh, Pokemon Go thing, which had me at one point standing in the rain at Western Springs at eleven o'clock at night with my thirteen-year-old son because there was a Pikachu there. And there wasn't. Uh, if you want to have an, another look at augmented reality, just hunt down the uh, the New World Easter Egg Hunt app. I think it's really cool. I think it's really cool. Awesome. Okay, that was bad. All right. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going in my that's, mind. That's not even a pun. We, we, you can go wherever you want now because it's coming out to 8 o'clock. I'm Vaughan Davis. This has been Radio Live Sunday Social. Thank you so much to my first half guest, Mayor Leanne Dalziel, Kate Owen in the second half, and Sarah in the booth who just checked and has 60 apps on Facebook. I'm Vaughan Davis. Nighty night.